Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of the whole 115 Yards Women's Football Podcast. My name is Freya. Uh, I don't know if I've actually opened with an introduction before, uh, but joining me as always is the lovely Lindsay. We've just found out who we're up against in the semi-final of the Conti Cup, haven't we? So how are you feeling? Lots to talk about. Yeah, absolutely. And I know that we're going to touch on it later, so I'm going to save all my excitement for later because um, otherwise you'll... Um, slap my hands um but yeah i'm super excited for uh for, for talking about that yeah it's a good thing we're doing this remotely then isn't it yeah <laughs> um so yeah so let's get to it then shall we okay so because our last podcast was apparently the end of january which even though it's the 9th of feb a lot has happened hasn't it so let's go all the way back to man united versus villa so this this feels like worlds away. Um, me and Georgie went first time at LSV. Uh, it's a very nice stadium. Um, we'll will go back in future. Had a lot of banter with the fans. Um, they had a, bless them a really tiny little singing section, but they were going for it. They they were acting as if there was about two thousand of them. Um, so fair play. And I think that's what I'm loving more about it. And uh, I think you're the same kind of having that banter, but it's still fun. Yeah, absolutely. And we were, um, I was having a discussion with um, someone else um, through work about uh, the women's game and they were saying about how it was different. And I said, like the men's game, you associate it with beer, thuggery and all that kind of behaviour. But with the women's game, you associate it with family and inclusive. And yeah, whilst there is the banter, which is great because it shows the games expanding and they're doing so well. It's just, you know, it's nice to have that atmosphere because the girls, you know, some of the girls are used to playing with, like we said before, like one man and his dog watching them. And now yeah. it's like they're getting like half decent crowd at, at the higher levels. And it, it, it spurs them on and makes them, you know, when they're having a bad game and they think, hang on a minute, you know, fans mean so much to us. They're behind us. Come on, let's go. We are the 12th man. So I think that they really, really appreciate that. Yeah, but no, we've said it before, haven't we? Kind of with the, the reaction you get from players when they hear their name being sung, like having their own song, having their own chant. And I think, especially after a game we'll talk about later, but the Bristol game, Carla Ward has, you know, in every single post-match conference um, since... <laughs> conference? That makes sound very official. Uh, interview. She's always said about the fans and how loud they are and how, you know, away games sound like home games. And I think the fact that that's being recognised as well, just again, shows that growth, doesn't it? And how how passionate the fans are. I, I know with I know the cup game, um, mm. just to jump in with the cup game, uh, she actually started with thanking the fans. And I thought that yeah, was she brilliant. Did, didn't she? And she knows how much we're behind her because we've had a rough season. There's been yeah. doubts in a lot of people's minds, but we stuck with her and she's kind of, repaying us with that acknowledgement like you know you're behind us and you know I'm really honoured to have you guys as fans and you know keep keep supporting us yeah like we can hear it you know don't stop keep going yeah absolutely so so yeah back to United then now we we know at this point of the season don't we it's every every point counts we can't be afford to lose any more games and you know we went to LSV thinking it's going to be a hard one we got that last minute we lost opening game of the season didn't we and we thought we know it's going to be tough we're not expecting to win but we could manage a draw judging by United's form at the moment but they do have some superstar players as well don't they but so do we so go 
that first half was a bit shocking, wasn't it? Yeah, I, I think it's probably one of our worst games this season and we've had quite a few clangers haven't we mm. so I think that that was wasn't great um no. it's a day I I, tr- I try to forget because we just didn't turn up and it just wasn't clicking and you can see the frustration on the players face as well because they were trying and it just was yeah. not working and you could just see them going what more do I have to give to make this work and because we started to pick up before Christmas and things were coming together. Daphna was starting to settle to the WSL and come out as a show. She's doing really well. And you just look at that and it's just like, oh, awful. Yeah, and you think, you know, they're, they're there. There's, there's just, again, like we've been talking about for ages, just something wasn't clicking. And it got to 2-0 down and you think, okay, if it's 2-0 down by half time, what are we what are we going to do? You know, what what's the scoreline going to end up like? What's going to happen? And like we've seen the past couple of matches, everyone was marched back in into the um, into the change rooms at half time. And whatever Carla said, I think just needs to be broadcast uh, to everyone as a motivational speech because that second half was just a completely different team, wasn't it? Yeah, definitely. And I think the goal that went in was kind of like a. Right. Okay. And I think even Mark Skinner said, you know, we should have put that game to bed. We shouldn't have let Villa come back into it. So I think that says something for both teams that maybe United thought, oh, we've got this, you know, we'll not ease off a bit because they they didn't in that sense, but something switched. And I think it was that Villa pressure that suddenly ignited and yeah, getting that goal back. And the most frustrating bit of that was Rich Daly was in the box. And she miskicks that shot, doesn't yeah. she? And it just you thought, what could have been if that went in? And it was it was really close to the end, wasn't it? Yeah, and you yeah. just think if it was two two, that point, you know, by the end of the season could make all the difference, couldn't it? So what was so even though we didn't come away with the three points, do you think it was maybe still a step in the right direction? Yeah, because we've been building since before Christmas, haven't we? And then Carla's brought in two um, new members to her board to help her with um, shooting, aggression and defensiveness and defensiveness, uh, defence behaviour or something like that. Um, We'll roll with it. Um, And and, uh, we we said that, you know, they'd only had like a couple of days and we noticed a difference in the players' performance. And I think that this as well as Carla giving them a dressing down, basically spurred them on. And I think that is making a difference. Which I want to touch on when we get to Brighton about the progress, mm. but this is where it started. Um, and, you know, the first half, like the season we've had and the second half, like where we want to be. And the one thing about WSR, which, you know, we've both said all the way along is you should never write anybody off and you should never give anybody, you shouldn't go, ah, oh, you know, Bristol City at the bottom of the league, so, you know, we're going to go in and win 10-0 and we're going to be complacent. You know, Bristol City have worked so hard to be here that they're going to be a tough mm-hmm. opposition and they're actually going to want it more than the Chelsea players that win week in, week out and have got superstars and, you know, yeah. pass the ball around. And I think that's what's happening. And if we can have that fire and that want, of teams that have just got promotion. We saw it with Liverpool last year, how they were hungry for it and how they had a couple of upsets. And if we can 
pick ourselves up from where we are and go, come on, girls, we're, we're hungry for this, then, you know, we can get ourselves out of the relegation battle and be comfortable and be like, right, okay, we've got another year in the WSL, so hasn't been a great year let's get some investment and move forward and, and that's the other thing I wanted to touch on investment in the January window and Carla Ward said that she was happy with the team that she got and that made us question as fans you know we've got so many injuries we've got such a skeletal team um it's a bit of a worry because when we ha- bring people on off the bench we don't add anything to the game it's more of the same rather than a new tactic like you look at United and um, Arsenal Arsenal a really good example um, the other day they took off um, Beth and Viv and they put on Stina and it's like you know you, you're changing the dynamic and the structure and everything like why you you know they can do that and we look at it and we look at our bench and it's like wow we sometimes have a goalkeeper, sometimes don't. And then we've got some of the youth who aren't experienced enough to you know, bring the game on. And you know, who, who do we look to? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's unfair on the youth because they're not getting that experience. Um, so it's just frustrating, really. Uh, but this is where I think we started to question, you know, with Carla, she needed to have brought someone in in that January window, which is what I'm trying to get at. Yeah, and it's hard, isn't it? Because we don't know what goes on behind the scenes. We don't know what the money situation is like, which it seems... That's the biggest issue. Yeah, it? it seems from behind the scenes that, you know, she she might not have that control. She doesn't have that much to actually play with. Um, and you think... it. She did say, didn't she? She was like, oh, now we've got, you know... Dan Turner and Lucy Parker are out. We we need someone else. But it just it, it was too late in the window, wasn't it? And with those yeah. injuries, they were big enough injuries to to know that they're probably not gonna be back for a while. So yeah, I think that was the concerning bit that we've got the smallest squad, we've got the oldest average squad, and there's just lots of factors that, you know, unfortunately as you do get older, you get injured a lot more. And, you know, <laughs> there was one game, um th- I think it was a United game actually, Rich had all our um thigh taped up and we were like oh no please please no um if <laughs> we got we can't take another one and then of course it came out lucy stans had to have um an operation and just it, everyone seems to be dropping again um like we did last season so it it's hard we need a much bigger squad we need that early to mid 20s range which unfortunately people are at their peak therefore they are at their highest um you know price tag wise shall we say so it's it's hard and we can recognize it's a hard situation but have we really done enough to stay competitive not at the moment no but I I do know that the end of the season we've got quite a few players that are likely to be near the end of their contract or you know will be renewing or will be retiring and I think that's an opportunity we can limp to the end of the season um using limp because we've got such a, a small squad, not because the girls aren't good enough. Um but if we can get to the end of, Yeah. Um <laughs> if we can get to the end of the season, we can have a big clear out and hopefully the fact that we've got the you know, we've got plays in the WSL, there's not guaranteed playing time, but you're not going up against established players. Hopefully mm. between that and bringing up the youth, um, have done a fantastic job 
big shout out to them this season that they have stepped up. Um, Definitely. And then the players that we sent out on loan, like Liv and Freya, the players that come back, then, you know, we should have a younger squad and we should be able to attract people and do what Spurs did last year, which was let people go and bring in some, some good players. And hopefully we're not bargain basement buying again and we can get some funding from the board to allow Carla or if Carla's not there and somebody else is, mm. then to get it, you know, get some decent players through the door so we can be competitive. But that is our opportunity in the summer to really yeah. m- make a difference. But if it doesn't happen, then I can't see us surviving much longer. Yeah, they need to do some massive business in the summer or else, like you said, we're, we're not moving forward. We're staying still, aren't we? And even teams like Bristol who will come onto the match in a moment they they've got that fight they've got that spirit yeah there's a couple of names that people recognize who've been watching the championship etc and or again loan players from from other bigger teams maybe but they're they're doing all right consider they're doing really well um because everyone thought ah oh, you know they're going to go down again but actually they might cling on. Someone else could be in that spot. And again, we'll talk about uh, the WSL table after after the Bristol game. Actually, that that might be quite a nice time to reflect on that. So so yeah. So it was a frustrating to miss out on that United game. But I think if that second half filler had showed up in the first half, I definitely think we would have got at least a draw with that one. Uh, yeah. Do you reckon if if we did that? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, because I predicted two two, didn't I? And I was like, "Come on, girls, another one." We another did. One. Yeah, we were like, "We're probably not going to get the win, but we're probably going to get a draw." And that deadlock of two two, rather than was it four three three two, on the opener? I can never remember. I always get the wrong way around. It was it was close. It was really close, wasn't it? Really close, right to the last minute. So so yeah, we knew it was going to be tight, but yeah, a two one. Again, on reflection, is two one really that bad? No. But we could have come away, come away with a point, couldn't we? So happy to leave United there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, let's move on to our home game to Bristol. So we went away to Bristol before Christmas now, wouldn't it? About November time and won 2 0. I think it was our first win of the season. I could be wrong. Yeah. But I think it was. Possibly. And so, again, with everything we've just been saying about Bristol, we knew it wasn't going to be easy. We knew they were going to put up a fight, so we shouldn't show them any respect at all. Now, (laughs) it then comes to the match. And thoughts? Um, Couldn't hit a barn door with a banjo, springs to mind. We'll just Um, uh, clarify that Lindsay said couldn't. Couldn't. Yes, I couldn't. <laughs> but yeah, sorry, keep them. Um, so um, yeah, couldn't hit uh, a barn door with a banjo. Um, was uh, awful. I think statistically, if you look at it, it's very alarming. I have the statistics. We 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 will go through them. Don't worry. But the actual game itself, it was just frustrating for us because it was two mistakes and they got back in the game it just shows you how close it is in the WSL and if you've got teams that can counter like that that's kind of Chelsea territory on the older attacking figures whereas so either our our defense was awful which I won't comment on or um we aren't putting our chances away and it was just like 
It's like everybody forgot their shooting boots. It was awful. Um, So, yeah, it was a really disappointing game for me as a fan, not because, um, you know, I expect us to go there and win. I expect us to go there and Bristol to be competitive, and they were. But the thing was, Bristol didn't play that well either, and they only really kicked in at the end when we mm. were really 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 pushing yeah and I think you know for those last 10 or 15 minutes they deserved a point but yeah. for the rest of the game they didn't and just for clarity we didn't either so nobody deserved a point out that game um it was just awful um but you know you get punished you make mistakes you get punished and we have to learn from it and I know some of the players came off visibly upset because they pulled their heart out and 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 really tried in that game and it just wasn't working um and it's almost like a step backwards from that second half of the United game uh it seems to be like we go forwards backwards forwards backwards and it's just really frustrating to watch as a fan because the girls could have been you know four or five and they'll up at half time four or five in the second half um not because anybody wants to see a team be beaten by that margin but you know we could have won seven two or something absolutely ridiculous yeah and and like Carla said in one of her previous matches match post-match interviews you know we need to be more clinical because if we're just winning by one goal it gets really twitchy and really nervous and one mistake gets them back in it Absolutely. whereas if we're clinical and we get the goals then we've got a cushion and then if one goal goes in it's not all that bad mm. yeah obviously we still want the goal difference but you know we can still push on and go for that goal rather than thinking okay it's a draw at the moment we need to compromise because we can't afford to you know, lose that one point by them winning at the other end and scoring because we're pushing too far up. And I think this is this really brought it home to the girls. Like it's not working. Mm. It's really not working. And I just hope that they went away and did some some work off the pitch and and started to really look at their game. And it's a shame because I um. I wish that they had the support that the men's team had where they could go away and do the analysis and sit down with the, yeah. the tactical teams and go, you know, this is what I did and this is what, I, you know, I, I, I did wrong and this is what I did right and this is, you know, if I'm playing that far up, like with Maz and Sarah, if we're playing that far up, then so, you know, Patsy has to, and Corsi have to cover me because I can't be running up the wing chasing after Kirsty Hansen who's gone flying up there and dream. And get back like I'm not superhuman, and it, it's just we we need that input. And I think if we were, if we had that investment, and you know, like some of the the bigger teams like Chelsea and Arsenal, to a degree, have more investment in that area, mm. we we would be able to learn from our mistakes. But I think it's taken us longer because we don't have that support. We're kind of being left to sink. And if if they, you know, lend. You know, take on one extra person for the men's team and say, right, you're going with the women, then you know, just that one person would make such a massive difference to our game. Uh, I think that's why they brought people in. But, yeah, that's what that, that's my rant. I just, oh, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You can get off your soapbox now. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's, but it's true, though. It's You'd think with the investment that Chelsea, Arsenal, City you think with all that investment they've got how much of a difference that could make to Villa even for if you hired them in for a week 
and set them up with programs or looked for, right, this is what we need to be doing and establish that, train the in-house team, you know, train them up. It's not saying replace them because they're good. They've got us to this point, some of them. And, but it's about up-leveling, isn't it? Or support them through another qualification or what can we do with the limited funds that we clearly have? You know, it's what, what can we do to keep pushing on and not, not stay, not stagnate essentially, isn't it? Um, cause I was, I was watching it and I was making notes for the blog and I was thinking, you know, we can't take it lightly. Villa have won all their previous meetings with Bristol, but that means nothing. We know that, um, it's about who comes out on the day and, you know, Jordan, as soon as you put that strike away, it's like, ah, oh, there's Jordan. That's a classic Jordan strike that, and you think, but unfortunately with being a Villa fan, that was at 13 minutes and you think, oh, we've got the rest of the game to play now. <laughs> you know, are we going to add to that or are we going to concede? Are we going to lose? And it'd be really nice just for once to just think there's our first, let's keep going. Uh, you know, what, what yeah. would the scoreline be? And it was, like you said, it was mistakes. It was still playing out from the back. I don't know why, why are they still playing out from the back? It's not working or a couple of passbacks, fine not the whole game we've conceded so many times and it was intercepted wasn't it um Anna Patton we do love her um but her pass it was a really loose pass wasn't it intercepted straight away Amelie Thestrup bangs in the equalizer and that's where they were getting us on the counter like he said because we were just leaving ourselves wide open and not not being clinical enough even with even with the passes and it got to, well, it got to just for half time and just after and Villa had kind of settled by that point because we normally have a good 10 minutes, don't we? And then it goes downhill. Yeah. Um, but they were settling and I thought, oh, right, there's some dominance here. Right, brilliant. When's the goal going to come from? And then Adriana Leon, our number 23, steps up and shows us why she's brilliant again. And it's right, okay, brilliant. It's 2-1, but it's the 60th minute. We've still got 30 minutes at least to kind of hold it. So no more mistakes, no more being ridiculous. And then <laughs> it was it was in the box, wasn't it? There was a bit of a frenzy to clear it, couldn't quite do it. And then hits the feet of Carrie Jones. And I think that goal should definitely go up for goal of the month or a goal of the season because it was very Rachel Daly-esque, wasn't it? And yeah, I mean fair play like you can't argue with that goal that that was really good um I can't be mad at it to be honest and if that was the one to equalize for Bristol you know all Bristol City supporters um would be really proud of that 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 was that equalizer and it's just it was hard after that because some some players we've said it before they play right to the end don't they so yeah I think Jordan had a best game for a while she was really she, really she had so much space and because um she, she started to play this year in a different position mm. and um she's got a lot more freedom and it's almost like she's playing in like Kenza did last year like she's got that freedom to run around and she can do um really tight spaces and get out of them because she's little she can just wriggle out of them yeah. um and she's really good at you know putting balls in um she has good days and bad days but yeah. you know she really can be creative and she was running in and getting I was like Jordan are you lost you know you're you're 
you're, you're near the box, like you're in the box, so you're lost. Um, you know, what are you doing on the wing? You know, you shouldn't belong there. And it was just great to see her, like running around with purpose, with intent, yeah. playing a slightly different role, and it was working. And I thought that that, like you said, was one of a, a better game. Didn't it actually show the Jordan that we all know and love that we saw at Arsenal? Yeah, and exactly. it's the first time we've seen her like that since she moved. So I don't know what Weetabix she's been having, but um, definitely recommend it. Um, yeah. And a few others have been like that, but you just think they're not all clicking and you just need them to click and it's so frustrating. I think that's why she came off in tears because she was so frustrated. Well, she had, she almost won it, didn't she? Because in that extra yeah. time, I shot one off the crossbar and you just think, yeah. what more? <laughs> Again, what more do we need to do to actually get it in the goal? Because um, I remember... Again, just quickly going back to the United game, when they were warming up and they were do, practicing their shooting, hardly any were going in. And it's like, is it the occasion? Is it a genuine lack of confidence and nerves? Or, you know, what is it? Because we should should be hitting it when, you know, there's no pressure. You, should, you kind of should be putting the goals away. So that was quite worrying. So I don't know what it is. They... The confidence before goal, but some something needs to change. Um, even if it's just a day of right shooting practice, you're not going home till you get twenty in the net. I don't know something like that, but it it just needs to get better, doesn't it? Because it's there, we've seen it. It just it needs to be more more consistent because it can't. I think they also need some um, psychological input as well for the girls because they're so defeated yeah. and so down, and they're getting hate left right and center and I think not from us but from other fans and I mm. think that they just need to they know when they go out there that they they're downbeat they don't like coming over to the fans to see us because they're so embarrassed by what they've done on the pitch mm. and I think that they need to just have some input rather than having to pay for it mm. which you know if they were the men's team then they would get it for you know it, they would be offered it yeah. but I think they should be given some support but you know especially with the injuries that are going on and um to the injured players but also to help the players that are struggling with performance anxiety because some of what's going on could be performance anxiety yeah. and that can be quite stifling we saw it with um David James in the men's game mm. I think it was David James um and he really struggled and then he had some input and then he became a really, really good goalkeeper again. Um, but at one point, he was, you know, he got margarine hands. But now he's, you know, he's he was doing better. Obviously, he's retired now, but yeah. I'm sure it was him. Please correct us in, in there any, 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 uh, yeah, way any feedback. Comments, if I've got it wrong. <laughs> um, my memory isn't right, but it was, it was definitely, I'm, I'm sure it was him. Um, but he was talking about how he went away and got some um, help with his performance anxiety and it, it got better. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there are players that do have mental health help. Kirsty Hansen did last season and I think that that Kira would... Walsh just talked not... about it before, yeah. Yeah, Kira Walsh has talked about it and I think it just would help them with them getting off their chest. Any issues they've got, it's just sad to see because there's so, so much talent in that squad. Yeah. Just unlocking it, isn't it? And even those final yeah. few minutes, it was mad in that box. Like the way Maz and Ebony just kept shooting and going, and how that didn't get over the line any of those attempts was, I, I don't know. So, again, fair play to Bristol. And that. the handball. Oh, uh, what, sorry? 
And there's a handball in there as well. Ah, that wasn't given. Yeah, so there was a handball. So what what did you make of how clear and obvious that was? Because that's what everyone talks about, isn't it? How clear and obvious was the decision? Well, I think the referee just wasn't for giving Villa anything anyway. <laughs> but um, that's a different story. Yeah, that that to me was a handball. Mm. But and it was right in front of the ref, and the ref just went, "Yeah, I didn't see it." And it's like, yeah. if that had been the other way round, you probably would have given it. Yeah. Or if that had been Chelsea, oh, we we'll were Chelsea. About that later. <laughs> so yeah, I just think there's a bit of a, a bias with the referees about yeah. what they would give. But it was a definite handball because she moved her hand towards it. It wasn't like it was aimed at her and she couldn't move her hands out the way. Or it was because um, it's meant to be in the shape of the body, yeah. and unless she's got Wow. It was like the West Ham one, wasn't it? The ball kind of came at them and they both kind of went, oh, don't want to touch it, and like moved out the way. So it hit their arm, but they were trying to move out the way. So Move out the way, yeah. Yeah, so it's a hard one. Yeah. yeah. So it was it was clear and obvious to us through the um, one FA camera, but not clear and obvious to the ref. With someone's head in the way for most of the game. <laughs> or a drain pipe. The drain pipe's always the best one when you've got that taken corners and the ball just appears, that, that's the best. Um, but again, we'll come on to uh, quality and standards in the WSL and Championship later on. So, yeah, it was, it was, I don't want to say painful. Frustrating is the word. And here are the stats that I promised you from earlier. Villa had 36 shots, 14 what on target? Yay! Compared, compared to Bristol's four shots and two on target and two goals, and you just think, well, those stats, like you said, could have been a seven-two match. But the fact that they had thirty-six shots, fourteen on target, and two actually went in the net—that's more worrying than anything else, right? Yeah, definitely. And I think. This is where we need to be more clinical and we need to look at our recruitment and think, you know, what's going wrong? Like defenders take the shots because, you know, the, 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 the age-old joke about defenders, you know, can't hit the target, they blaze it over. Um, well, hey, Dan Turner's goal for City. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, you just think, you know, are they that stereotype or, you know, have they just not got the shooting boots on? It's just frustrating because they could have had so many goals and it's just like, they were really trying it, and even Maz was going for it. And you know, when Maz goes for it, um, <laughs> you know that they mean business because Maz doesn't yeah. take any prisoners, and she scores some some goals. And uh, I think she's got was it one or two this season already. She's hungry for more, mm. and uh, you you just know that she wants. It. And Ebony's always poaching. That yeah. comes with practice and experience. But yeah. you just, just look at it and think, you know, how, how are we not getting it across the line? Mm. And you think as well, we also had what, we had 11 corners. And again, it's those set pieces as well, isn't it? It's, yeah. you've got a golden opportunity there. We saw Chloe Kelly at the weekend. Um, hers went straight in, did a Katie McCabe. Because of the know. wind, yeah. Hey, we'll, we'll have it if, if the wind's at advantage. Um but we just, if you're given that many opportunities, make something of it. I know it's easy for us to sit sitting here talking about it, but you'd think that would be something they'd work on. Kind of like, right, <laughs> lads, we had 11 corners. 
we did nothing with it. And it's just kind of what I'd love to go to training. So uh, Carla, if you're listening, um, could we please come to training and just have an inside look, please? Because we we just want to be informed from our outside perspective. It's easy to see it one way, isn't it? But it'd be really good to see kind of what goes on behind the scenes and what's going on and things like that. So and the um, limitations they're working with as well and, and where the game could improve and where investment yeah. needs to go so that, you know, we can sit there and go, you know, like they need like a strength and conditioning coach. They need then like someone to do the analysis. They need like psychological input. And Carla's mm-hmm. like, "Yeah, well, I've got enough for a fifty p and a lollipop. So, what do you want? A Freddo or kind of a, a, a panda pop? Like, what do you yeah, want?" Yeah, it's a situation where it's there. a. So it's it's about it's about seeing the difference, and I think that you know we can sit here and criticise, but the biggest obstacle for Villa at the moment is investment, so that we yeah. can do that because it's like we've got you know we've got all the pieces of the puzzle together but um we haven't all got the same puzzle and we're not all working to the same time frame and we can't put it together but if someone comes along and goes oh actually girls um this puzzle is actually one big puzzle and all your pieces put together make the big puzzle rather than working on your own then this will make it work and yeah, that that would make it so much easier for them. Um, they just need someone to just come along and just give them a eureka moment. So Emma Hayes, if you're all listening, can you just drop <laughs> down for half an hour and help Carla get it through to the girls so that we can win the rest of the games of the season? And that could be it. It could literally be one tiny little missing piece and it clicks and yeah. it goes. And it, it's a bit like, do you remember those jigsaws when we were little? And it was, it wasn't, it wasn't the picture on the box. It was the reaction was on the box and you had to put the jigsaw together of what they were reacting to. Yeah. It was called was jig or something. Oh, I love them. But yeah, so it's a bit like, well, we, we kind of know what we're doing, but we don't actually, we can't see the final picture yet. Yeah. And we need to, we need someone to help us put that together. So yeah, that's what we'd like to see. Uh, should we set up a GoFundMe? <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> Share that link for the Villa Backroom staff. There we go. Because we want the best for them. That's why we're talking about it. With Bristol then, we'll take the point. We'll take any points at this point. Point. But it should have definitely been three. And that would have made all the difference in yeah. the table, wouldn't it? So let's have a quick look at the table now. Villa are currently in eighth. So it could be worse. Could be much better. We have 13 points. Now, Leicester are above us also on 13 points, but with a better goal difference of minus eight compared to minus 10. Shocking, isn't it? Then we look at, so between 7th and 11th is going to be a tussle. And I think we've said this before, haven't we? Any of those teams between 7th and 11th can end up anywhere by the end of the season. Between 7th and 11th, there are two points. So there's us and Leicester on 13 and West Ham, Everton and Brighton are all on 11. So it could literally take a win, two wins, to get out of that there's a little bit of a jump up to Tottenham in sixth place with 19 points and Liverpool in fifth with 19 points then again it jumps Man United at 24 Arsenal 28 City 31 Chelsea 34 and Bristol hanging on in there with six and you never know they're not that far off like you say two wins away from yeah between six and 11 points you know two wins couple of draws you know could be could be a battle for relegation rather than a 
right see you later uh six weeks in advance we we know you're going so yeah the way this stands it's literally every point counts and what we were also going to talk about within the bristol game um rachel daly now it escaped the fans' attention during the match, the commentator's attention, the ref didn't pick it up, and then it came out that she's been given a three-match ban for violent conduct. Now, when you saw the video back, what was your instant reaction to, to the violent conduct, as it were? I thought it was six of one, half a dozen of the other. And mm. it was two yellow cards. Um, one for um, trying to take uh, Rachel's shirt off on the pitch. Because um, yeah. I'm sure Rachel wants to keep her clothes on. Um, you talk. There's a lot of that and a lot of winding up. And we know that um, Connolly is renowned for riling people up, getting in their face, pushing them around. She's renowned for that. Mm. And Rachel looked like she was just like, get off. But it wasn't like a, a get off sort of like, you know, when you're your kids and you're playing with your brother and he's really annoying you because he's pulling your hair and you're like, get off my my plat and you're just elbowing one and he goes crying mm. to, your, to your mum and get in trouble. Um, yeah. It wasn't one of those. It was just more of a just get out my personal space and also trying to break free from the tussling of the shirt. So to me, and I'm not saying this because I'm biased, so I'm trying to put my neutral hat on. To me, it's two yellow cards, one for shirt pulling um, mm. from uh, Connolly and one for Rachel Daly for the elbow. Um, yeah. I I also think that um, we have seen on the three-match ban, um, we have seen some very inconsistent decisions made because when Kirsty Hansen um, mistimed her tackle, apologetic straight away, hands up to it, you know, I'm sorry, floods of tears, genuine floods of tears, not crocodile tears she got a three match ban at the same time there were two other players that did worse tackles weren't bothered absolutely no remorse laughing about it got one match yeah. ban and Kirsty missed some key league games which you know put us in a bad position in the league and they uh-huh. missed the Conti Cup match so yeah. I'm just wondering whether it depends on what team you play for determines what outcome you're going to get from the FA and also and um I mentioned to a few people this three match ban was Rach told that she had to take it and it, you know that was it because of her mm-hmm. position with the England squad and it would look bad if she appealed it or was it you know genuine and she was like yeah okay I'll take it um mm-hmm. so I don't know but you look at the men's game and you think you see that all the time all the time you see it and you know it's not like she didn't get up again was it it wasn't like she was out as a concussion sub and out for the the rest of the game she got up and carried on and played so yeah you know it can't have been that bad so you just think it's part of the the game if if you can give it you have to take it so yeah you're very bamboozling one that one and it does seem very inconsistent and I've seen it with other teams where players have got cardio for stuff and then you look at the conduct of LJ you look at the conduct of Katie McCabe and you know mm. if they'd done that then it'd just be a yellow card or you know nothing would be said and you just think some of this behavior just 
the the FA needs to be consistent and and not be biased between you know England players and non-England players and just be like right if you do this it's clear as day that's it um but I think they should have appealed it for H and got her a one I think that was a at most a one match ban yeah. I don't even think it was that but that that's where I'm coming from because in the context of the league this season that would be consistent with everything that's gone um, because it was absolutely the softest of red cards out of every red card of the season. Because, again, like I said, completely missed it at the time. And you just think, it's clear that Connolly's got her by both hands. She's got a shirt in a prime goal-scoring position. I think someone actually got the rules up as well, like what counts as a yellow card, red card, and that kind of thing. And it is, you know, when you're obstructing a prime goal-scoring opportunity. And it was from a corner one of the 11 and yeah rich was being held she couldn't she couldn't move so as anyone would do she's gone get off trying to remove her arm but as they've both moved and gone then rich's elbows just made contact with the nose and as far as i'm aware the nose wasn't bleeding it wasn't a broken nose it wasn't anything in particular that was horrendous and you just think well it was clearly a get off. It wasn't a WWE elbow slam, you know, into the floor. It wasn't cynical. It wasn't malicious. It was just a get offers. Like I'm trying to score a goal here. And again, like you said, you see it all the time, like pushing, shoving, K McCabe, you know, is renowned for it, is loved for it. So what, yeah, what, what is the difference? Where do we draw the line? Cause we need a standard. We need everyone to abide by it. And yes, I know, you know, case by case basis, whatever. But like you said with Kirsty Hansen, that that was a late, a late tackle. Therefore, should have been a red card. We know that. But three match ban was far too long. Um, you know, one one match, fine. Same same with Rich for that one. And could it be that, well, if you appeal they're not going to do anything anyway. And it creates more tension. And you just think, you know, sometimes is it easier to just say, right, okay, and not argue, even though you want to because of the bigger, bigger picture. So yeah, it's it's a tough one because now we're missing her. Well, we're missing her for the Brighton Conti Cup match, missing her for Spurs and Liverpool, I think. So really big games for the teams in and around us. To, to get points and you know she's meant to be our our top goal scorer with that so and I also wanted to say was I couldn't tell from because I watched it on the FA player and we know how awful that is <laughs> and I couldn't tell if she was doing a, a get off because like she was being mauled mm. I just wonder if in trying to move forward because she's been pulled back so far she's trying to launch herself forward and that's what the arm was yeah. rather than an actual get off because she didn't look like with intent there was no intent in her face she just seemed focused on the ball and like I'm being pulled back and being pulled back so I'm going to throw myself forward but you look at how she's been kicked around yeah like trying to get away from her yeah and not a single person has been pulled up for it and it's like how long does it you know does it take you see like Jack Greedish played for Villa Men's and he got kicked around the pitch and he loved it he thought it was great But how many fouls did he win? And how many fouls does Rachel get? Yeah, exactly. Like, and if she goes down, that they don't do anything. Mm-hmm. So I just think that's really unfair. But yeah. if we look at 
the silver lining, which, you know, we're really having to put some rose-tinted glasses on for this, it does free up the space for Ebony, Sai, um, Dre, yeah. uh, Kirsty to really excel and show what they can do as a forward line of three. It will give space for Georgia Mullet to come on as a sub so she'll get some minutes. Yeah. So I think it it's not... It's not all doom and gloom for the team because it allows them opportunities they wouldn't normally, but it's going to put a lot of pressure on them to deliver because it's big shoes to fill. And I also think that that's going to be a problem for the opposition team because all they've done all season is mark Rach out of the game. Yeah, that's all they've done. They put three players on her. Every, every game, it's three players on Rach. And I think that when they do that, it's going to be like, Okay, we don't know how to handle mm. this. So Sai, who's not had many minutes um since she had her injury, um, she's a dark horse and she can score some bangers. So there's her, you've got Dre running in who they know about. She's a bit predictable, but she's just so physical she can get past people. Curse is the same. Mm. Um and Ebony hopefully will find her shooting boots and, and, and take over from Rach and poach some goals. Um awesome. or create something. So and, and Jordan hopefully will continue with the free reign that she's got at the moment. So I think yeah. it might work to our advantage. Um, but obviously we want to see Rach out there. Um, we just have to work with what we've got, don't we? And, and it gives Rach like, a, a mental health break as well, doesn't it? Because she needs it. There's a lot of pressure. There's a lot of frustration within the team in general. And maybe for her, it might actually, like you said, be a blessing in disguise. Um, some time away. Um, time to watch again, um, try and, you know, actually see the team from a different perspective that she might not normally get much chance to do. So, so yeah, I think considering we're going to talk about Brighton next, um, you know, it, they, they did actually work pretty well, didn't they? So yeah, so the FA, there needs to be a standard, what is a, red card but ultimately what is a three match ban because again harping back to it martina piamonte got another retrospective um red card for a hair pull um that was missed with the very rainy very foggy fa <laughs> fa player camera uh the only one that's at walton Hall park and again if for var and again that's a whole different conversation if VAR needs multiple different camera angles to come to a different to come to the proper conclusion, why are we just going, it's not clear enough? Why enough. are we just going off one camera angle? That's rubbish quality on the FA plate. Like the unless the FA have got a different camera that we don't know about, but I don't see how that's enough evidence to someone talked about this. Um a while back and they said that the the camera on the stadiums that we're using at the moment are all low level so they're all like low level uh, local leagues or you know league two or something in in general um which is why yeah. the pitch quality isn't great um and 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 the pictures um aren't great too because the rigging that they've got up is set up for that level of men's performance so when we play games at you know, the Arsenal girls play at the Emirates, Chelsea at Stamford Bridge, Villa at Villa Park. We've got all the TV angles, which means that we can have more analysis and it's better having the, the girls play at the biggest stadiums because not only do they get better um, quality um, pictures for the analysis, but it's better for the fans that are watching from home as well. So 
I think that, you know, they do need to do yeah. something because it's just not, not working. But this is the next evolution in women's football, I think. And this is where the investment needs to come from the clubs. And once it starts, um, it'll really come. But, you know, like LSV, it's not set, it's not set up for um, yeah, um, uh, BBC cameras to come. Uh, Simon's best got is not set for BBC and Sky to turn yeah. up um, where Villa Park is. No, and that's the thing. You're expecting the top league of women's football to is essentially the equivalent of the lower leagues of men's football, isn't it? And you're trying to promote the game, but if it's a rubbish quality, loads of people, and we've, we've seen it being like, oh, I tuned in, but actually, like, it, it's really yeah. hard to watch. So, it's, again, it's the people who really want to watch it are going to find links. They're going to find, you know, somewhere to watch it. That's kind of a twist, isn't it, where, you know, you, you, you're begging for the... You go cap in hand, begging for please, sir, can I have some more, more money, some more resources? Yeah, and that's the thing. I was going to bring it up later, but might as well do it now while I'm talking about it. Um, lots of people are saying, oh, we need VAR in the women's game. That comes back down to <laughs> we physically can't have it in the women's game because the stadiums are not equipped to do it. And if you are asking for that amount of investment for those stadiums, that the women's game are going to quickly outgrow, you know, on the trajectory that we're on. So why, and all of the issues that VAR has in the men's game, why would we introduce it? And essentially it would be a waste of money at this point because it's just a, a hassle. It's just a big faff when what we really need is goal line technology. Like yeah. That's the next plausible, acceptable stepping stone within this technology. It's, it's quicker, it's easier. The refs watch buzzes or the um or the officials watch and it's nice and easy there's no more oh if we have var if it crosses the line we know about it and then it's done it's sorted that's that's level we need right now i think because the games we're getting because we don't have that many they're so high pressure and there've been a couple of calls this season already haven't there where you think yeah is that gone in is it not and they've been game changers. So, you know. so yeah, so that's my sixpence um, on where technology should lead us next. So, yeah, go on technology. Uh, do you think so? I think we need to sort out the basics of refereeing and the standard of refereeing in the women's game. Because oh, yeah. if we can't do that properly, then what we're doing with VAR with people that, you know, don't know their bottom from their elbow, um, we, we need people that know what they're doing. Um and it's like with this blue card, which we're going to talk about later as well. We'll talk about it now. Um, no, we'll do it now while we're on. Yeah, yeah Gareth Southgate's talking about it, saying, like, do we actually need it? And, and shouldn't we work on what's, you know, VAR isn't working properly, it's not working effective, it's been around for a while now, it's not working. Mm-hmm. Shouldn't we focus on making what we've already got work before we start introducing more stuff? Because basically we're making it, we're overcomplicating it and making it worse. And, you know, why yeah. why change what works? Why, you know, it's not broken, so why fix it? You know, fix what doesn't work, like VAR, rather than bringing in blue cards, yeah. um, which, you know, are nothing. And you know for a fact that people like Katie McCabe will just sweet talk their way out of it. And then, you know, Mas Pacheco will get tackled and she'll stand up and she'll be like, oi, ref. Like we saw it in the, the Brighton game when Jordan goes, oi, ref, about something. Yeah. And then they get blue carded. And it's like, you know, absolutely not inconsistent. And it's just going to be about how well you can sweet talk the ref. 
and they brought they're already yeah. difficult to approach like um I watched uh, Ruish and Shib- Shaban um, last night and they were saying, you can't talk to a ref, otherwise you get carded. You can't appeal anything. And, like, whilst crowding around them, you know, is a safety issue for them because they feel threatened by, you know, 20 girls ganging up on them. But it, mm. it shouldn't be like that. You know, you should be able to have that open discussion and, and be like, you know, why have you given that? Because it wasn't that. Like, why was it a throw-in when they clearly touched it? And I think we just need to invest yeah. and make the referees professional, make them full-time and do that and drive up standards and get a really good bunch of um, referees to to drive up the, the standard in the women's game because I don't know a league like it. It's so inconsistent. And then um, yeah. you know, I saw on Twitter the first response was... Um, I've forgotten her name, and probably best if I don't name her. But the the one referee that we'll likes, <laughs> the referee that likes um, giving out lots of cards for no reason. Um, they're saying, "Oh, she'll have a field day. She'll just send everybody off with a blue card, um, yeah. and it'll just be one v one." And you just think this is going to be difficult yeah. because I just don't see how it works. If it's a conduct issue, then you just say to the players, "You need to sort your conduct out," and and, and yeah. work on that rather than going, oh, well, you know, you, you can't dare talk to the referee because then you're making them um, almost godlike. And yeah, they're not touchable, yeah. Because they said at one point, didn't they, that the captains can approach and whatever, but it, if me as a player, like if I got carded for something, I'd be like, I need to know why. Like if yeah, I felt yeah. unjustified, I'd be like, just tell us what I've done so I don't do it again, like, because clearly I don't want a yellow card. I mean, sometimes turn for the team, but, you know. But, yeah, you just want to know what what the offence is and you don't want to then be seen as, you know, aggressive or whatever because, yeah, you shouldn't be shouting as well, but tensions do run high and it's the ref then understanding that and thinking, right, are they angry at me, in which case it's dissent because it's coming at me, or is it the anger from like the match and the emotion that's just tipping over? And you can tell, like, you know, we've worked with all sorts of people. Like, you can tell where that emotion's coming from. And it's it's being able to read the game and just be, like you said, at a good enough, competent, high quality level to be able to ref a really fair game. And unfortunately, refs then get a lot of bad press. And what people end up talking about is the referee. Not the game, not the goals, you know, not who was involved. It was, oh, just see how many cards got given out last night. And it, it takes it away, doesn't it? And that's not what we want at all. And I think before we get on to our Brighton game, while we're talking about cards, we might as well talk about the Everton-Chelsea match. Because, again, that was the centre of attention uh, with said referee about how many cards were given out. Now, did you manage to watch the highlights or anything for this one? No, I haven't. Not yet. Have you heard the controversy? I was going to let you enlighten me. <laughs> Away now, it's very kind of you. Uh, yeah, so essentially, um, said referee was getting a bit card happy. And she, there was an instance where the wrong player got cautioned after a tackle. It was between pain and, oh, I can't remember now. Um, but essentially, the wrong person got carded. So it was a mix of mistaken identity. And even on the commentary, it was, well, we've been told it's this player, but actually 
who she wasn't involved in the challenge so i don't know why she's been carded so i mean that that's pretty bad to start with um and then Sorensen got carded not once but twice and was sent from the touchline now the issue was okay so it didn't appear again we weren't there we don't know what was said on camera the subs board that they hold up had the wrong numbers on okay so Sorensen's gone over and said they're the wrong numbers can you change them or what looks like he said it because you know he's very calm isn't he and he's very yeah definitely not very overreactive and suddenly because there's confusion with the players as well because they think they're coming off and they're not and it becomes a big thing so ref goes over gives him a card and the camera pans to him and he's just like oh like he was genuinely shocked like he had no um recognition of what of what had just happened so there continues to be an issue and he's still there he hasn't moved away he's trying to sort this thing out with his team and ref comes back over gives him a red and tells him to go away and he's like he stands there for a while like his hands are like oh and all the players around him are confused the commentator's confused um and you just see all of the subs behind him and just everyone being like what and it just it didn't make any sense fair enough he apparently it was abusive language um and again i'll read the effort statement in a moment but yeah apparently it was um again a form of dissent against the fourth official and whatnot but from everyone else's perspective it was he was trying to sort an issue out that was going to affect his team on the field i mean they were against chelsea they needed the right people on the field so yeah. if that board's wrong then of course you're going to try and sort it out you're not just going to go ah never mind we'll take off our, to our top striker we'll put you know the kit man on so the wording was right so let us let us get this right um brian Sorensen has been banned from the touchline for one game and fined 250 pounds and everton women have been fined 500 pounds following their women's super league game on sunday the 4th of february against chelsea the fa alleged that the manager acted in an improper manner and used abusive and or insulting words towards a match official during the 79th minute, which led to his dismissal. The FA also alleged that Everton women failed to ensure their players do, do not behave in an improper way during the 26th minute. Brian Sorison and Everton women admitted their respective charges and accepted the standard penalties, which again goes back to, were they told to accept it? Was there any chance of an appeal? Was it gonna get denied? It then begs the question, if it was a different club, would it have happened? Everton's already got enough trouble without being fined however much. Yeah, definitely. Well, you know, the bias is is real. It really is. Everton actually played really well. Um, I'm quite impressed with them, and it's a shame they haven't got more points, really. They managed to haul Chelsea off, and then Chelsea came back. But they got two soft... Ah, that was what I was going to talk about. There were two penalties as well in that game really really soft there was a collision i have seen this bit on twitter and they were saying that they were absolutely they weren't even penalties um and also that Sorensen, because of um where they were playing he had to walk all the way around the pitch to leave because there's no other way of him he leaving so it was totally inappropriate for him to have to walk if he behaved that badly yeah it's inappropriate for him to be you know walk all the way around like that and I agree with you. I think there's a lot to be said. Like when um, 
we had um, something with Villa and it was either a sending off or a yellow card or, mm. or a nasty challenge that should have been carded and we got fined for player behaviour. What did they do? They walked up to the referee and went, what was your decision? Yeah. And they weren't kicking off. They weren't intimidating. They weren't crowding around. You know, they held back. And all they were asking for is, you know, what was your rationale behind the decision? And I think for us, rather than going down this blue card route, if we had more transparency like rugby, mm. the rugby lot have, then we would be able to understand the refs and they wouldn't get as much hate. And we'd also be able to understand why they're doing what they're doing and then we know where we stand. Um, I remember now. So it was Claire Wheeler. So Claire Wheeler um, and Payne, I think they got mixed up. So Claire Wheeler got to the ball first. It is clear and obvious, and this is why everyone's kicking off. So as she, so she's gone to tackle um, Ritten Canarid, um, and what's happened is she's won the ball. Obviously, your foot then isn't just magic and disappears. And as their ankles have kind of come together, her, like, written Canarid's ankles kind of gone a little bit, and then her foot's kind of collided with it. So she's won the ball, but... Chelsea got the penalty. So Claire Wheeler won the ball, but Chelsea got the penalty. It just doesn't make sense, is it? So that that was penalty number one. So uh, Guru Wrighton, she steps up uh, and converts. Wheeler again. <laughs> uh, this was in the, I think it was like the 60th minute, 60th, 70th minute. Um, so again, Everton have held them off um, and, you know, kept it to, to a really respectable scoreline till this point. So Ramirez, fantastic player, by the way, um, that uh, Everton, Chelsea have managed to sign her from Levante. And she's run into the box, done a really great run. Wheeler's gone to tackle her and then from my perspective she's gone in with her leg but realized we're probably she's probably going to run it out of play anyway so she's kind of done a knee slide instead and kind of retracted her leg trying to get out the way ramirez has then gone down because of this knee slide and given a penalty for that so that was the second one so that one was a bit of a more dodgy one yeah um but i'm sure um, I don't think there was that much contact. It was very, very minimal. It was very, it definitely wasn't black and white, that one. Um, so the second penalty was given and Wrighton again got the goal. And then uh, Cuthbert got the third. It was a pretty good goal, actually. You can't, you can't argue with that one. Um, but yeah, it just, they, they got really punished for, for not a lot, um, Everton. So yeah, they were really hard done by 3-0 didn't reflect the game at all. Um, so I do feel really sorry for them. But but yeah, so that just shows you again. So it was two penalties in that 3-0 victory. And Everton got two yellow cards in that match. Uh, Chelsea did actually get one. Uh, nine fouls for Chelsea, five for Everton. Um, so Chelsea were did have a higher foul um, percentage, but got less yellow cards as it were um and considering they had 16 shots chelsea six on target and everton only had three i would say that getting two penalties <laughs> and one um one normal goal wasn't too bad no um so yes fair play to everton uh, they they did really well during that match but it just brings it back to refereeing 
And surely there's conversations of the higher ups going, if there is an issue, right, well, we need to address it because either she's doing it right and that's where everyone else should be, or she's too far beyond where they should be and she needs bringing back and everyone needs to be on the same level. So it's, again, if you don't know, you don't know what you don't know. And if you're not told you're doing wrong, you're going to keep doing what you're doing. So there needs to be a conversation somewhere about what is the standard of refereeing? How are we going to address it? And again, does it come back down to, we don't have enough funding. They're not full-time and they need to be. Um, because then it just becomes a farce. And then does the game actually mean anything? Yeah. If they have one right. So, but then, you know, you kind of question it and then you get told, you know, by some fans that, oh, you just hate Chelsea and whatever. It's not. It's taking a step backwards and going, actually, that's not very fair, is it? Um, but I have seen a few Chelsea fans actually go, I'm a Chelsea fan and they were soft. So it's the, there are some really good people out there. So shout out to you people um, who still see sense. But yeah, there's been, especially this season, I've really felt it. I don't know if you have as well, a lot more hatred. And I don't know if it's just because we're, we're like in the sphere of it a lot more. So we're seeing a yeah, lot more. Yeah. But it's, yeah, it seems to really amped up. And like, we'll talk to anyone. We want to talk to the different fan associations and different people, different viewpoints and kind of understand from different perspectives. But loads of people are really... It's really toxic, isn't it? And some of the uh, the uh, league forums as well can be oh, um, yeah. quite toxic places as well. And I've had to come out of um, football Twitter because I just can't... I just find it a really horrible place. And it, it's like I wouldn't wish hate on any player. No. Um, they're making death threats and I'm like why why are you making death threats against a player like, what have they done that's so bad or like saying something really horrible and then tagging that player in and I'm like what yeah, you yeah. At? like that's it's not okay like we tag players in when like we're praising them supporting them if we criticize and we hope we criticize fairly we wouldn't tag the player we'd probably use their initials or we wouldn't even refer to it we'd just you know talk about it in in that in that perspective, especially on social media, this is obviously different um, because we talk about players. It's a very, you know, it's an audio um, media. But but even though that we don't, we don't, we don't go in and go. Uh, I don't know. Um, we, we don't sit there and go. Um, Rachel Daly's blah blah and Carla's blah blah. We don't do that. We just go. Rachel didn't have a good good game and move on to the next thing. Or. Yeah. Carla didn't make the best substitutions or or we think she should have put so-and-so on and so-and-so on but you know in Carla we trust and we move on we don't dwell on it we we just keep it positive which is what we need and as, as the game evolves we want it to grow and we have passion for it to grow and if we sit there and go this player's rubbish or that player's rubbish um it's not going to work like yeah. there's players that I don't like there's players that you don't like for you know whether it's their style of play mm. or um their behavior or their conduct off the pitch you know it doesn't matter why we don't like them um yeah. but we don't use that 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 bias come across in in what we're doing um you judge on the performance performance, exactly. by performance don't you? yeah so and it's like that you know in all football in all football there's players that you think are absolutely fantastic and you're like mm. yep yeah, Viv Miedemar's amazing you know she's brilliant 
and then there's players that you, you don't rate. Um, but that's that's a personal choice. The, the players see it all. What's that going to do for their mental health? Mm. Like, you know, it, does, it pays nothing to yeah. be kind. And there's a lot of entitlement yeah. within fans, and I think that's where it's coming from, where, like, we saw... Um, we saw West yes, Ham beat Melbourne. Arsenal. Yeah. And what was all you saw in the media was how down beat Arsenal were because they'd lost. Like, are Arsenal not allowed to lose a game? You know, why is it so bad? And that's the thing. Some, some teams are so used to winning, though. It's almost like an offence if they lose. And it's like, I know you don't want your team to lose because that means, especially in Arsenal's case, you know, are they now out of the running? for the title. I think they just are. I think the maths yeah, doesn't quite work, but it's, yeah, be disappointed, of course, but acknowledge West Ham played a really good match. Fantastic. Like, and, and that's okay. Other teams can beat you. <laughs> we are Villa. We, we've understood this uh, a very long time ago. Um, and it just, it happens. And I think some people are so reactive and just don't think about anything about what they say um and or the think the funny or the yeah and it's we're not meant to sound like prudes or anything but there's just a line and i don't know if it's because we're getting old now um yeah but we there's no need for it like why? i think it's it's the instant gratification isn't it of the fans and the way society's gone where everybody's chasing dopamine and instant yeah. gratification and you know, whereas we're a bit more old school and we're like, you know, we, we want things to to work. We want to work for it because we want to value it when we've got it rather than exactly. be gifted it because it'll, it'll mean something. And, you know, if, if our players have a, a bad game, like um, the start of the Man United game, you know, we could have, and Bristol game, we could have pulled mm. our hair out with them. But, you know, when they finish at the end of the match, you know, we're still going to cheer them on. We're still going to say, you know, well done, girls. Come on, get, let's pull it together because that is going to be better than sitting there going, you're shocking, you're awful. It's not, that's not how you talk to people. And I think we've lost that as a society, which is quite a shame. But I guess it's the way the world's going and we're just getting older. But yeah, we're absolutely there for the players and to build them up rather than. Yeah, we keep saying, down. don't we? You know, you if you're a. If you're only there for the glory, then you're not a true fan. If you are willing no. to travel across the country in the wind and the rain and the snow and there's only a couple of you, you know, that's that's what it means. And yes, we know people can't can't travel. Um, some people can't, but tuning in, watching it, you know, tweeting your support, putting it on social media, like that positive support, like you said, goes a long way. And people who you you don't even realise see it, they do. Um, they'll always come across it and it's staying any criticism has to be constructive or else it's just you know what's the point you, you're just <laughs> being horrible really but especially in a game that we're trying to grow the criticism is justified because we're trying to be like right well we didn't do yeah. this right in this game but you know if we look towards this next time or and it's it's always that and especially with us and that's what we you know we really want to do and keep on like the positive side of it and but without the rules tinted, <laughs> not going that far, but just saying, yeah, you know, there were, there were glimpses. It's not all doom and gloom. We'll be back next week as we, as we always will be. So, so yeah, it's, it's a shame that some fans are taking it far too far um, and make it quite a toxic place. Like, I don't blame players for <laughs> closing 
you know their accounts or making them completely private or because some people are horrible we've seen it and it's like oh okay yeah <laughs> not getting involved with you thank you very much um so yeah so all love and support here um and that's what we're going to keep doing isn't it we're going to keep going um yeah and so are the rest of the of the decent fans of the good ones the proper ones now last thing we're going to talk about this evening is the continental cup you ready yes i'm excited i've been waiting for this all night so uh, we are recording this on Friday the 9th of February, um, probably a bit later than we should have been, but we had the semi-final draw and we are either going to be facing Arsenal or London City Lionesses after their waterlogged pitch um, made the match be postponed uh, to next week, next Wednesday, which I believe is Valentine's Day. So yeah, so that'll be an interesting one. We'd love London City Lionesses to win. However, we are also quite reasonable and think it's probably going to be Arsenal. So if we do win, um, Arsenal have been drawn as the home team. Um, so it will be a Villa away match um, to see that one in the semi-final. Now, <laughs> let's talk about how we got to the semi-final, shall we? It all started with, we haven't talked about this, but we'll go over briefly. Um, we were in a group with lots of championship clubs. We were at the top. We had a massive goal difference. We were going to win as group winners. Now, we then went against Sunderland. We won 7-0. And, of course, there's been all of the news. Noelle Moritz was fielded when she shouldn't have been. And, therefore, the FA's decision was, well, the independent board found that Villa should be deducted the three points, then given to Sunderland. And, essentially, Sunderland went through as group winners and Villa went through as best second place. Best runners-up, should I say, sorry. So everything's fine. I support both teams. So it was a win-win for me. It was great. Uh, loads of people kicking off that Villa should have been chucked out of the competition, that they didn't deserve to be through, being called cheats and all sorts, hence harking back to social media um, and being quite a toxic place over the last few weeks. So we went away to Brighton the other night. Uh, shout out to everyone who managed to travel, by the way. A massive journey and definitely well worth it. We heard you loud on the FA player. <laughs> really, really loud. And like Lindsay said earlier, Carla, it was the first thing Carla mentioned in her post-match interview, the fact that how loud the fans were making it feel like a home game. So, I mean, that's that's phenomenal. That team can do that. But So we went into it thinking, we can do this. It's not unfeasible because we'd won against Brighton before Christmas. 1-0. So again, it was tight, but we won. And I kind of went into it thinking, this is doable. Yes, we haven't got Rachel Daly, but this is, I'm feeling cautiously optimistic. Uh, what what were your thoughts going into it? Um, I thought we stood a good chance. Um, I got a bit worried when I said about no Rachel Daly. And mm. I got a bit worried when they were talking about Lucy Stan and the injuries that she's got, and it came out how bad they were. Um, and we haven't got Dan Turner back, and I was thinking, oh, no, how are we going to do it? But I thought, out of all the draws, this is our best chance to get to the semis, which is what happened last year. And at the start of the season, I said, you know, what do I want Villa to achieve? And I want us to achieve, you know, fifth place again and push for fourth, but I don't think we're going to do that because we haven't got the investment and have a good Conti Cup run. Um, so I'm quite pleased, but... 
I, I thought that we, we stood a good chance. Um, and it'd be wet, cold and horrible. Um, I thought that the home fans would be loud and they'd be, you know, they'd help the girls get it over the line. No, but it, it was. It was such an important one. Watching it back, I thought this could go either way. It was end to end. There were sort of chances. Yeah. Again, hitting the crossbar, um, shots going wide. And again, that goal from Brighton was a lovely goal. Um, I think it was Robinson through to, was Pinto one at that point? Pinto to Sari, who there was a lovely curling strike. And you just think, again, I can't argue with that. That was quite nice. You know, Daphne had no chance of saving it. And it was a curve on it. She just couldn't, yeah, just she wouldn't went around, to get it? to it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, brilliant goal. And you thought, right, okay, Villa, this is your chance to really fight back and really go for it. And I think, with that being at the 35th minute, there was there was a fight to come back that, that continued it. But again, whatever Carla said at half time, it came out that second half just gunning for it, proper fighting. And as soon as Kirsty Hansen's header went in, you just felt that relief of oh, we're still in it. We yeah. can still do this. And you can see it on our face, our reaction. You can hear uh, you know, the horns going in the stadium and just, right, we've got this, we can do it. And, but then it was the fact that was at what, the 70th minute? It then yeah. went into extra time to what, 120 minutes? Yeah. And you could just tell they were shattered, both teams, because we didn't realize, but the players were saying after, like, we, we know it had been wet, but the pitch was, it didn't look great, did it, on the screen, but. No, no, no. But they were saying how heavy it was, and you could just imagine trying to give you everything. I mean, Maz Pacheco needs an England call-up. We've been saying it for ages, but especially after that performance, just phenomenal. And the fact that everyone was fighting right until the end. Um, yeah. Again, massive shout-out to Dree. You know, um, Ebony came on, did a job. Um, it just everyone really went for it, didn't they? And I think when it got to those penalties... You know, I don't want to take anything away from us or from Brighton, but you could tell there were a few tired legs in there. So maybe that kind of went against Brighton a little bit. But can we just give a massive shout out to our number one? I mean, Daphne Van Domselaar. Saving, was it four she saved? Four. Four, four. yeah. Yeah. And you just think, because I was on the Absolute Football podcast, the WSL Championship show. And I thought it was going to be over. So I had it on my phone and uh, I was like, guys, it's got the penalties. I'm, I'm going to have to like live commentate this. So we'd stop talking about whatever we were talking about. And I was doing like a, right, and a pattern stepped up and it got right to the end. And it was like, yes, she's done it. Um, and it was just everything this season's been working for. It was that we've done it. We've made it. We haven't let ourselves down. Not that they would have let us down anyway, but it was just that moment of we've done it. Like every person who did not want Villa to succeed. <laughs> and there were a lot of people who didn't want us to win. Um, but just. Including the FA player commentator. Where was her? The FA player commentator oh. was uh, basically uh, talking about how United. Um, uh, fans were, you know, disappointed that Villa went through instead of them. And I was uh, thinking, yeah. girls on the ball have already proved that it would have been Durham that would have gone through. Exactly. Not Villa. Yeah. So, and I was told they couldn't appeal because it wasn't going to affect them. Yeah. They would just didn't per perform. So, you know, like, where are you getting your information from? And girls on the ball, shout out to them. They're always hot on 
everything really hot and everything and it's just like they even did a breakdown and showed it and like people were still hating so yeah it's just like nobody wants but big shout out to Daphne because she did brilliant and I think like I said to you um before around Christmas in I was like Daphne's settled she's settling now and now and I said Daphne has arrived I can't remember if I texted you that or not but I said that she'd arrived and I was just like, she's back, she's here. Yeah. And now she's playing like the player that we saw and we praised and we were like, yeah, yeah, this is this is really doing well. And we're just so pleased for her because it's such a confidence boost. Yeah. I mean, I'm not sure if they all went off target. Or I think one of them went off target, but she got down so low. Yeah. Just the reflexes were fantastic. And I just thought, what a player. And at the end, Patsy Patsy scores. Yeah. Think she scored. Goes to go back to the team, thinking, "All right, next penalty." Yeah. Then realizes it's all over because someone shouts to her. Like, yeah, it's that moment. Over. And then she goes straight to Daphne. Yeah. And I just loved how the team went rather than going to Patsy and going, "No, you scored the winning goal." They all went to Daphne and were like, "Well done," and like bigging her up. And I thought, "Yeah, Daphne's doing her. her confidence yeah. so well." Absolutely, and. You could just see on everyone's faces just how happy they were. And it's finally, you know, something's gone right. And, you know, yeah. if they can take that into, I know we're not playing this weekend because of the FA Cup, but for Tottenham away, I mean, that's a massive confidence boost because Tottenham, again, had a really good start to the season. But then, you know, they've had a bit of a wobble, haven't they? And yes, they yeah. beat Arsenal for the first time ever, but, you know, they failed to score in in their last match didn't they fail to win that one so i think if if we've got a good a chance at any at beating beating spurs something from spurs now's the time i think i think this is it so so yes so that was our wonderful conti cup uh update and roundup and yeah so that will be played i think is it the 7th 6th or 7th of march um and yeah, so we are yeah, away probably to Arsenal, um, or even better to, to London City. So yeah, so we'll keep our fingers crossed for that one, wherever that draw's done. And I think that's all we've got time for for today. So thank you very much, everyone, for listening. It's been a lovely conversation, Lindsay. Thank you very much. And we will be back incredibly soon with another episode of the whole 115 yards women's football podcast so thank you very much for listening remember to like and subscribe across all socials you can find us at the whole 115 yards so thank you very much and see you all next time goodbye bye